1: to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Have a podcast here where we are going to talk about football and recruiting uh, back from ACC media days. And the recruiting quiet period is currently upon us here before it gets shut down in August for the start of fall camp around the country. So get a little what five six seven days here of recruiting opportunities to have players on campus and Miami is putting something together uh, this weekend in terms of a cookout we'll get into that who's expected to be there etc etc. David Lake and Gabby Urrutia both on this podcast um, so let's dive into it let's start Gabby with ACC media days and uh, again go check out the website for kind of in-depth Takeaways and news and notes from uh, that session. Miami was went through the paces on Tuesday. Uh, I got some one-on-one time with Mario Cristobal and the guys, in addition to all the the group interviews. So, definitely have some thoughts, etc. Um, and so I I thought just uh, it'd be a good exercise, Gabby, for me to bring five takeaways to my time in Charlotte to the table here and uh, kind of share what what I learned or feel like uh, the messaging was coming out of Miami's ACC Media Day. And I'll start here. And, you know, culture talk, either you believe in it or you don't. Uh, I think the bottom line is football coaches in general, all coaches in general, believe in culture and how it matters. Uh, And I think Mario Cristobal would be on the higher range of coaches that believe in the importance of culture. And I think if we're being real, right, every coach has their strengths and weaknesses, what they bring to the table as a coach in terms of expertise. And when when we talk about Mario Cristobal's profile as a head coach, I think it starts with Recruiting prowess. We all know he does that at a very high level, especially amongst the head coaches. Not many are going to put in the effort he does um, in terms of recruiting. Number two, obviously, he's an offensive line expert. That's where his background is, both as a player and as a position coach. And then the third thing I think he does well is establish a culture that is based on just putting in the work, grinding it out. and so I think as he's getting this program off the ground, um, kind of the, the, the two biggest areas, well, you could argue all three of these areas, he's addressed in year one in some way. So uh, year one recruiting was a big time success, number seven overall class in the country. We've discussed how much, uh, you know, how that compares to classes of the past 13 years or so. So it's the best Miami has signed in the 24-7 sports era, which goes back to 2011. Offensive line, Miami has flipped that room year over year with the addition of transfers, Matt Lee, Javian Cohen, and also talented true freshmen, Francis Maui Noah and Samson Okunlola, amongst others. And then there's that culture aspect, right? And, And that's kind of, I mean, I'll admit, culture is kind of a nebulous thing. How do you gauge it? But I think it's fair to say, uh, you know, watching Miami last year during the course of that 2022 season, that was an area of the program that was off. Uh, I will say Mario Cristobal said that to me both private privately and then he publicly said it too uh, amongst other media members in breakout room settings. Um, I think the players that were there echoed it, Cam Kitchen's, told me there was definitely um, some guys in the locker room that didn't have that buy-in. Tyler Van Dyke mentioned, you know, look, when adversity struck, we didn't really respond like you would want. Um, And so look, if you look at the raw numbers, Gabby, year over year, just from last year, it's 40 or 41 new scholarship players between the transfer portal and the high school recruiting class which is essentially half of your 85 scholarship players. So that's a massive amount of turnover, of course, going into year two. Also the coaching staff, you know, there was some coded language and wording used in terms of particularly talking about Josh Gaddis in terms of how he wasn't a good fit. Uh, Kevin Steele, the same in terms of, you know, how his scheme was a little vanilla and a a little too easy to prepare for uh, for opposing offensive coordinators. Uh, And then there's five other new position coaches on staff as well. And I think the main message Mario had there was, look, I feel like the coaches that are on staff now view Miami as a destination job and they want to be here. They like the talent we have. They want to work with that talent. And I think that's perfectly fair, knowing what we know in hindsight, Gabby, from last year's coaching staff. So you could view a lot of this as a spin job, which I think is somewhat fair. But I do believe culture does matter, especially in college football. In college football, right, I think it's about your head coach. And I think it's about that head coach's culture, what does he establish? Because those are the two things that last more than you know, the four years that a player has to spend inside a program with the college eligibility factor, right? So those two factors need to be your head coach has to be on point and the culture he establishes has to be on point. Mario Cristobal straight up told me, look, um, Manny Diaz's culture, you know, basically what we inherited, he didn't name Manny, but he said the culture we walked into is the complete opposite of the culture we want to establish, we want to run. Um, And and I think that's fair. Mario and Manny are completely different guys. I think you can win games in a lot of different ways, but their approaches are totally opposite. And thus, the players that they attract are going to be totally opposite. And Mario essentially told me, look, I'm saying this in hindsight, obviously, but when you look back the way i look at it is look eventually things kind of had to explode in that regard and so it was a situation where yes we had to, we took a step back we didn't want to take a step back that's not ideal but that step back is necessary in hindsight in order to take this program where we need to get it and so that's what happened in 2022 and now it's up to mario to deliver the results especially enough results to continue stacking the type of elite talent that is needed to compete at a championship level. And that takes three or four years. So we're in year two of that process. And um, so we'll see where things go in terms of the culture. But the talking point at media day is that things are much more aligned top to bottom in terms of head coach, coordinators, assistant coaches, and players. And I do think that's going to matter. but we'll see how that plays out during the course of the season. How do you read all this talk, Gabby? Do you, do you view it as like gobbledygook, just like a preseason talk that you say every year, if you have a disappointing season, how do you read into it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think it's, I think it's interesting. And yeah, I mean, I I mean, what else are you going to say when you had the type of season that you had? I mean, I, I think, you know, I can buy, I can definitely buy a lot of the stuff that he's saying, like, I do think there was clearly a culture clash. I think we saw that with the roster attrition uh, with the amount of guys that they brought out that that walked out. I mean, you see like the overall percentage of the scholarship number change. I mean, basically half your roster is brand new. I think it's clear that they wanted to go a different direction. Um, I think they maybe held the rope, you know, maybe too long thinking that some guys were maybe going to buy in that, you know, ultimately just weren't. Uh, maybe ignored some of the things that maybe they saw earlier maybe there was just things that came up again maybe when that adversity struck and you know that's when you kind of your your colors come out that's when you find
1: out about your culture yeah so So. I think
0: maybe it was yeah everyone's bought in Mario Cristobal rah 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 but then when things kind of went down it felt like the same old same old uh, Miami meltdown that we've kind of grown accustomed to so yeah you know I, I mean I appreciate you know just what they did to kind of attack this with you know, going out and changing how, as much as they did. I mean, we talked the roster and then this between the staff, I mean, it feels like a basically like, not I don't know about a brand new program, but it feels like there's opportunity for things to be different because of how much has changed and the quality of player. And again, I just think we're at the point of this whole Miami thing that if you're, if you're here at Miami, you kind of know what this is, you right. know what this is supposed to be. So like there's no more excuses for things to not, you know, kind of fall into place or kind of go the way that they that it is expected to go. So I, I in that way, I, I do buy into that, that maybe there is a, the, everyone is more in unison. You heard coach Cristobal talk, Cameron Kitchens talk, Tyler Van Dyke talk, Matt Lee talk. And there seem to be, you know, kind of that, th- that vision that like, kind of, you know, they're all kind of like, again, like kind of saying the same type of things in the same type of ways, uh, same sort of optimism uh, same store, sort of accountability for kind of what happened last year, uh, not sweeping it under the rug, just kind of taking ownership and, and saying we're going to be better. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think a lot of it is obvious. It, it can be kind of just like that. Yeah, we were terrible. We think we're going to be better. We're fixing it. Culture, all that stuff. But um, I, I, I am fairly optimistic. I believe in it. Yeah, I believe in it. I do. I do. I do believe in, in year
1: it. one. And I think now that we're in year two. I don't know yeah. if culture culture excuses exist anymore. Moving forward, definitely
0: not. That this is sense. this is the end of the line of just like oh, we're establishing a culture. Like the culture needs to ha- ha- like should be established by now, and yeah. that's why I I think I'm you know okay I, I can I can get on board with it this year this media day this preseason, um all that type of stuff. But I think this is the last. I kind of want to hear of that. I think it's time to for them to show results, and it, it does seem to me like. They are kind of prepared to go out there and and really try to change this thing around again. What what's the expectation? I mean, I guess we'll see, but I think we're going to see a better product than five and seven. And I guess that, I guess that's a really really low bar. Um, but I do think that we're going to see a, a cleaner, you know, more polished product from Miami uh, here in 2023. Yeah. So I, I am excited about that, and I am optimistic about the way that it seems like the leaders are kind of pushing this team and how they're kind of going about talking about the work that they're putting in and, and all those types of stuff. So, you know, I I liked what I heard Um, to me. I didn't feel like grossed out, like, Oh, this is just ridiculous that like, whatever. So that's not the vibe that I kind of got just kind of just consuming it really. Cause I mean, I was out, so I only, I was really just consuming the content that you guys are providing. And um, you know, I was, I was a little fired up, man, honestly.
1: They were, you know, so they hit the reset button after year one, which I think is perfectly fair. Um And again, this is why you can use the portal to your advantage, both with bringing players in and also pushing players out. And Miami did that after year one. But again, I don't know if there's going to be much stomach for that in year two, like after this season, as if things don't go as, you know, in terms of taking that next step, as would be. Hoped or expected. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way.
0: Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more
1: involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice-consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances.
0: This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at midwaysports.com.
1: Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at Torres Lionel1, the number one at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. In terms of like beyond the culture fit and how they're better fits, I did find it too, Gabby, one of the takeaways I had was the coordinator hires and just the difference they're gonna make in terms of, you know, not only just X's and O's, but just creativity and the versatility they're gonna ask of the personnel. And I think players on both sides of the ball are excited about this. Like I know, Tyler Van Dyke feels you know going into this year that he's going to have a lot more free reign to make adjustments pre-snap based on what he sees from the defense. Him and Matt Lee are going to do a lot of collaborating. Uh, you know, Matt Lee in terms of uh, the the calls and checks on the line of scrimmage, and then of course what Tyler sees at the uh, back seven level of a defense. So. Uh, I think there is a lot of empowerment that comes with that when a coordinator is willing to give, uh, a quarterback, that type of freedom, I think confidence can come with that, et cetera, et cetera. And, and during my one-on-one with Mario, he made an interesting comparison to Shannon Dawson that I had not heard yet. Um, and that was, cause you know, we, we get into system talk and all that, and and of course Shannon Dawson has that air raid tag to him. Um, but Mario Cristobal compared him to Todd Munkin, the former Georgia coordinator, in, in, in his approach with calling a balanced, explosive offense that could also get downhill on you in the run game. And I believe, if I'm right, Todd Munkin has kind of a Oklahoma State background to him uh, as well. So. You know, Todd Munkin, when he was hired at Georgia, he was not considered like this home run grand slam hire that was really buzzworthy. Um, But Mario Cristobal at least feels like, hey, Shannon Dawson kind of has a similar profile in terms of his approach on offense, how he uses his personnel and, and how he balanced the things out with the pass and the run game. So we'll see if any of that comes to fruition. And, you know, it just, I think it was obvious too. and look, there was a lot of injuries that really limited what Josh Gaddis could do on offense, but there was a sense, you know, talking to Mario and Tyler Van Dyke that, uh, last year's offense was just missing some versatility, some adaptability to what defenses showed in games and from week to week, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and in terms of the defense, um, Camp Kitchens is excited about um, the creativity that Coach Guidry is going to bring on that side of the ball. Camp Kitchens said, you know, look, last year was rather vanilla uh, on defense in terms of schematics. And, And honestly, Cam took some ownership in that. He said, look, part of that is on us as players, because quite frankly, we didn't earn Coach Steele's trust. Uh, with knowing the playbook at a level we should have known and if we knew the playbook like we should have known it uh, maybe he would have opened things up a little bit more it just seems like coach Guidry has done a good job this offseason of being like look guys I want to throw all this stuff at you so put the time in to learn it and Cam Cam says they have been putting in more time in the secondary in particular uh, putting in more time to learn this defense, he said it's a much thicker playbook compared to last year. And he's excited about the way he's gonna play uh safety this year. He said last year pretty much all he had to cover was the post, whereas this year he said, you know, he'll be doing that as well as rolling up a little bit, maybe playing the slot a little bit too. So um I think he's excited about that change. And then Coach Crystalball, you know kind of echoed those vanilla sentiments. He said, you know, look, coach Guidry does a good job of giving an offensive picture pre-snap. And then right before the ball snap, he'll change that picture to confuse an off uh, a quarterback. And, uh, he said too, even post-snap he'll, he'll make, he'll play some cat and mouse games and bait, uh, quarterbacks maybe into some bad decisions that they shouldn't make. So, um, I feel like, Gabby, we know – the way I read into this, right, I think these vanilla approaches on offense and defense can really work if your talent can overwhelm your opponents. I think we know that's not where Miami's roster talent is at right now. And so when that's the case, you got to have some coaches that are willing to, you know, get creative. And I feel like year-over-year Mario Cristobal – is confident he has hired coordinators that will do just that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm eager to see really just like what this all kind of looks like when it's kind of like, you know, really just out there, you know, on the field, just kind of watching this thing come together because it does seem like there's so much optimism on both sides of the ball about what this offense can be. Uh, you know, watch Tyler Van Dyke during his like kind of, meet, like his, you know, televised media session. And, you know, you kind he kind of talked about how, you know, he's free to kind of even like, change the routes of, you know, a receiver. If he sees the coverage, uh, you know, calls for, Hey, if this, if you see this coverage, I I can change his route or I can change from a run to a pass or a pass to a run. Like that freedom is, you know, I I think is, is going to be good for him. And he, you know, he was kind of talking about in, in a simple way of just like my job is to get the ball to our playmakers, to our, to our best playmakers. And he does feel like, you know, the supporting cast, all that stuff. So I am very optimistic about what this offense can be, uh, what it's going to look like. And I do believe, you know, just kind of, you know, hearing coach Dawson talk and the way he kind of just approaches it, he's is a very laid back, chill, easy to talk to type of guy. And so I do think those communication lines are going to be extremely open um, mm-hmm. where they're a- and where he's able to build relationships and you know do all those types of things and and have that just open like just that open line of communication with Tyler, where they can and again giving him that trust to to go do what he and Tyler said it like I mean, Shannon Dawson's offense at Houston it threw for 400 4,000 yards and what ran for 2,500. I think he said something like that. Yep. I mean, this is this is an extremely balanced attack that has proven to be explosive. And you know, obviously, Houston had Nathaniel Dell. I don't know if Miami has anyone quite like that, but I think. You know, top to bottom, I bet my I bet Miami's personnel on offense is depth. better than what yeah depth yeah. wise. Uh, you know, along the offensive line, you know, all that type of stuff. Uh, you know, is probably better than what he's had at Houston, at least collectively. So, you know, I I do think that what this offense is going to be able to do with a talented quarterback like Tyler Van Dyke and some receivers who could either step up or you know that influx or guys that are getting that are getting older that could step up. Uh, you know, I, I do believe that what we're, what we're going to see from this offense is going to be, uh, you know, very, it's going to be different. It's going to be positive. And I, I do hope we're going to see, uh, potentially the best version of Tyler Van Dyke. And I think the same thing on defense. I mean, you keep hearing coach Chris talk about like, you know, Lance Guidry had the, the top five defense in back-to-back seasons. And I know those relationships go back very, very deep. I mean, when I was at the FIU camp earlier in the summer, that Miami staff came to like Lance Guidry and Alex Miraball were recounting like battles of just like, of like Western Kentucky versus FIU games that happened there. And they were calling out plays from like 15 years ago of like, oh, remember when this happened? Like these guys do have a great relationship. I think Lance Guidry is, uh, you know, I think in a lot of ways, a part of sort of like that Mario Cristobal, you know, they've had such a long-standing relationship. I think there's just a total understanding buy-in on what this program wants to be. I don't think Lance Guidry is looking for his next job. I think Miami in a way is a sort of destination job for Lance Gudry I right. think he could probably say the same thing about uh, Shannon Dawson. And I think because of that, I think we're going to see maybe some more of that continuity. And I think it's just going to help Miami just be better, uh, you know, in 2023 and in the future. So, uh, you know, I, I do, I, I, again, I'm encouraged by, you know, all the things, all the feedback we're getting on both those coordinators from the spot, from the, from the spring, you know, even now through, of course, going into fall camp that starts next week. So of course we have to see it, Uh, you know, they have to go out there and do it, but I do think it's a more friendly system for the personnel that we have here uh, at Miami. And I do think that hopefully it, uh, you know, it results in more success on the field.
1: The next takeaway I want to get into is just Tyler Van Dyke. And, you know, I think the the thing I wanted to touch on with him and talking with him is, um, you know, you can't ignore just the year over year difference in terms of the attention he's getting. Uh, you know, last year he was coming off his very strong performance to close out 2021 in which he had, uh, six consecutive games of 300 yards and three touchdowns, uh, to close out that season. And after doing that, you know, he, uh, he was viewed as one of the top quarterbacks, if not the top quarterback in the conference. And understandably, you know, there was reasons beyond his performance as well um, last year where he didn't live up to that type of hype. Um, And again, there was a new offensive coordinator, a new system. He didn't necessarily mesh well with that offensive coordinator. There was injuries on that side of the ball popping up throughout the year at different position groups and there was also his own injury that he dealt with in the second half of the season that of course limited his production. So um uh, I was just curious, you know, what did he learn from last year and, and how, you know, the difference year over year, uh what what does that mean? How does he read all that? And he said, "Look, he he's like, "Look, going into last it's based on what you did last." So Going into last year, I had performed at a very high level, and so I was getting a lot of attention. Last year, I didn't perform at that type of level, and so now I'm not getting that attention. He did say, though, he's like, look, I'll be honest with you, I feel like I'm an even better player now than I was back in 2021 in basically every regard. Like He feels like he's throwing the ball better. He feels like he's a better leader. He, he feels like he understands defenses at a much higher level right now. Um, so he feels like he is still at least that guy in 2021, if not better. Um, and he admitted too, he's like, look, this year I have worked hard on the mental side of the game and I've been meeting a lot with Miami sports psychologist and he's helped me kind of focus on just living in the moment focusing on the task at hand, live, uh, handling things one day at a time, et cetera, et cetera. And I get it, like a lot of those things are cliches, but a lot of those things work in, in terms of uh, having the right mindset and approach. And Tyler admitted, like, look, sometimes I looked too much into the future, too much of that NFL draft hype maybe seeped in a little bit, and I got too much caught up in that. Um, He admitted too, like his, you know, again, his relationship with Josh Gaddis wasn't ideal. Uh, I think Josh Gaddis's coaching style might have rubbed Tyler the wrong way at times. And he admitted, you know, maybe last year he was a little too tense or or played a little too tight on the field. So this year, as you're alluding to, Gabby, with Shannon Dawson and his personality and his approach, Tyler feels like he can play a little more loose, go out and have a little more fun this year on the field. Um, and so, yeah, I think all this is, is kind of leading up to Tyler having maybe the type of year we expected to have last year. I think he can have it this year. Uh, what does that look like exactly from a production standpoint? We'll see, but I would still expect him to be a top four, top five quarterback in the ACC. And when that is the case, you're in a position to win plenty of games. So, I know I'm not going to be surprised if Tyler Van Dyke has a big season this year. I know last year's performance, some of the fan base um, doesn't necessarily believe in him as much anymore. Uh, But to me, I think he's still a a very good college quarterback and uh, can be highly productive as well. So he's motivated to show that is kind of the main takeaway. He's motivated to show he's still that guy that he was that we all remember at the end of 2021.
0: I think his head's in the right place. Like, I think he's learned a lot over the past couple of years. He's kind of had that roller coaster kind of college career where he kind of got thrust into uh, a position where he had to play and then, you know, kind of lit it up. And then, again, those lofty expectations probably came a lot sooner than they would have otherwise if he hadn't been in that situation and obviously didn't go well. And for all the reasons that you mentioned, um, and maybe, you know, definitely some some on him too, but it does seem to me like this is kind of, you know, I, I think he's in a place now where he knows he has to kind of take it that, you know, that one, one play at a time type of approach. And, you know, love to hear that he was kind of talking with the sports psychologist. Like I just watched the Netflix quarterbacks documentary. I don't know if you watched it, David, but like Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, yep. he meets like in the show, he meets regularly with that sports psychologist and you know, obviously don't get the whole entire session, but you get little glimpses of what they're talking about. And I feel like it's the same message. And especially at quarterback, because you could like one thing can go wrong. And it's just like, you have to be like, so on point the next play, like you miss a throw that could lead to a touchdown. And it's just like the next play. Like if you soak, if you, if you like soak on that, like you're not at your best for the next play. Like you gotta be on it. like, so I think a lot of that stuff helps. And I, I think especially at the quarterback position where there is so much and he's had so much, he's, he's kind of found the success and then he's kind of hit the he's kind of hit those valleys and all those different types of things. So I think, you know, kind of going through that process of sorting through that mentally is a really big deal. And I think the way, I think that approach is, is good. And again, hearing him talk, I just feel like he's way more comfortable. I think this is going to be a lot more friendly for him when he mm-hmm. did put up those numbers, it was in that Rhett Lashley system. And this is obviously a little bit different, but I think it's way more similar than the Josh Gaddis style is. And, um, you know, I do think his supporting cast is is going to be much better um, mm-hmm. than maybe he's had in the past. He had Charleston Ramble that one year. Obviously, maybe there's not a ch- wide receiver one like Charleston Ramble. Maybe there is someone comes up like that. But I think overall, top to bottom, I think it's, you know, he's going to have a great offensive line in front of him that's going to protect him. I think he has a stable of backs that are going to be better than what he's that, than what he's ever had. kind of you know keep the running game kind of flowing um and then i think the group of receivers are good enough uh you know with some of these guys that are coming in so uh, i i think tyler van dyke is in a position where he can have that bounce back year. and maybe no one's expecting it from him right now or not expecting much but i do think with what miami's implementing on offense we're going to see him find a lot more success so um, i'm definitely optimistic about what tyler can do uh, you know, this fall, and I'm I'm excited to watch him kind of work in a system that I think he's gonna, you know, thrive in.
1: Really, what difference too? Just year over year, you know, AC, you know, 2022 ACC Media Days and 2023. One difference was when he was talking about uh, his receivers in particular. Last year, he was honest. He was like, "Look, I honestly don't really know what we have at receiver. Uh, I feel like someone's gonna step up." And so we'll find out who that is during the course of the season. We all know how last year played out in that regard. But this year, Tyler is excited about some of these receivers and how they're looking. Obviously, now he knows what he has You know, entering the season in Colby Young. He went out of his way to praise Jacoby George highly, um, said he can be quote-unquote elite. So we'll see how that plays out. We all know what they have in Xavier Restrepo. Uh, that's one of his best friends on the team. And also too, he he mentioned, you know, Tyler Harrell can fly the, the Alabama wide receiver transfer. He said, when I throw to Tyler, you know, and it's a downfield pass, I got to let it rip early so that I give him enough time to run under it. So I think year over year, he is much more comfortable with his personnel, uh, at receiver in particular, we all know offensive line is going to be better. And I agree with your assessment of running back. I think it's, it's the deepest running back group he's had to work with at Miami as well. So we'll see time for him to go out and produce. I think he will. Um, And so we'll see how it plays out during the year. Other takeaway I want to bring up is Mario Cristobal being more comfortable with the physicality on both sides of the ball. We all know Mario's a guy that values kind of the toughness side of football and you know, for being real, the essence of football is blocking and tackling. And if we were grading Miami, 2022 Miami in both those categories, the grade would be poor. Uh, the blocking was, was bad, particularly in the, in the second half of the year when, um, uh, they had plenty of injuries they were dealing with on the offensive line there. But, but even at points early in the season, um, the run blocking in particular wasn't where it needs to be. It, it looked decent against Texas A&M randomly, and then we never really saw that type of performance again. Um, but Mario is confident, Coach Cristobal is confident that year over year they have improved significantly in both these areas. We know, and to me, the best way to quantify this, to me, blocking and tackling, um, you know, physicality, is synonymous with toughness and the way you you grade that out or, or you assess that is in the run game. Can you run the ball on offense? Can you stop the run on defense? And I think they've worked hard to address those areas. Uh, you know, Miami was poor, quite frankly, in, in both running offense and running defense. We've talked about the offensive line changes. I think too, like AJ Allen, he's not the biggest back than the transfer from Nebraska, but he does have very good contact balance for his size. So the yards after contact, I think, are going to be there with him. And then, of course, Mark Fletcher is just a sledgehammer of a freshman running back, 6'1", 225, big athletic running back on the roster. He, of course, is going to help in those short yardage situations, which Miami was woeful last year. in, in that area. And then from a tackling perspective, you know, I think in the back seven in particular, they feel like they've made some some nice upgrades there. We know Francisco Maui Noah, the middle linebacker. He's excited about KJ Cloyd as well. The weak side linebacker transfer from Louisville. Um he hyped up Jadis Richard quite a bit to me as well. The Vanderbilt defensive back transfer. He doesn't really He doesn't really want to put a position on him yet, but he was encouraged that he can go play corner. He can go play safety. He can go play in the nickel, kind of be a big nickel. And he liked his size and physicality that he can bring as a tackler in space. Um, So I just think in general, he feels good about the physicality and the toughness of this defense and offense, quite frankly. I don't know if you have anything to add there, Gabby.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's good. I just think that's a really big part of like what 2023 is going to be is like, are they going to be physical? Uh, are they going to do all those things? That's that they his identity, right? That speaks yeah.
1: to identity. And right. I think identity is really important in anything in life. Like, what are you about? What yeah. In football, what are you about when the chips are down? And that's what they're going to be about. And in 2022, they tried to be about that life. And they like weren't. a lot of things, they weren't about that life. Yeah. So to me, it's a big deal.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think it, I think it's a huge deal, and I, th- I think that's what I think that's gonna be one of the big things to kind of. I, I think we're gonna find out early. Like again, you got that te- that week two Texas A and M game. Like that's like you're gonna have to be the more physical team to win that game. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going up against the top tier SEC program, and yeah, Texas A and M wasn't great last year, but I mean, I think I think it was, I thought it was obvious, you know, especially during you know that early season matchup last year. Like I thought, especially like A and M's defense compared to Miami's offense. Like that defense was way more physical than Miami's offense was. And I think if you want to play on that stage, if you want to kind of take that next step, you have to be physical. You have to be the more physical team. And again, I feel like Miami hasn't necessarily been that, but this is, again, this is what they're going to hang their hat on. This is going to be, this is who they want to be. Are you going to actually be it? And I, I am encouraged, like, you know, even like a Jadais G- 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 Richard, like, you know, guy who, who played at an SEC schedule at Vanderbilt, you know, like whatever, they probably got beat up on a uh, a good bit, but I mean, he knows what it looks like on a week by week.
1: Like with Richard, he loved in particular that he was, he played as a true freshman, right? I think it was yeah. only like 200 snaps, but still mm-hmm. that's pretty good for a true freshman. He liked that he played three positions as a true freshman. He's yeah. like, you got to be really smart and talented to be able to do that. Do
0: that yeah. So for sure. Yeah, I'm encouraged. I, I like what they've done at, again, some of those positions that need to be physical linebacker. I mean, with KJ Cloyd, who is someone that, you know, I've gotten really good feedback on Francisco Malagoa, We saw that he's physical. So yeah, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, it's got to be, you got to be the more physical team up front on the offensive line i, I think those that's going to be a really physical group like loved hearing matt lee talk i think he has that kind of just he's like yeah we got to be the meanest toughest like he said something like that, we got to be the meanest toughest dudes out there like and he yes. has like that motorcycle gang type it. of haircut like long yeah. hair with like the goatee like he looks like he's riding a harley like you know on his saturday mornings or whatever like he just looks like a bad dude like a guy with bad intentions and i think you're gonna get a lot of that up front on the offensive line especially like I think the offensive line is going to have to take on that mentality because he's the leader of the group and he has that. Yep. So I'm super. I, I think that this is going to be a physical group. Uh, you know, I think they're getting closer to being just like across the board, just exactly what you want it to look like. Maybe it's not there yet, but I think there's the right guys with the right mentality, the right will. Um, you know, to kind of go out there and and kind of change that and be that. Uh, and again, yep. I think it's something that's lacked for a long time here, especially with the tackling and on defense and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, we're going to get some more, uh, a better look at what that should look, uh, what should be really uh, with this group. So i uh, encouraged by that for sure.
1: Speaking to that, the last takeaway I'll share is um, in terms of guy, what it needs to look like, right. Mario Cristobal is very excited about uh, this 2023 freshman class that is coming in and and look, he's not going to publicly, praise them because quite frankly, they're freshmen, they need to earn it. And you don't want to overhype freshmen before they've gone out and done anything. But just in terms of the process of, you know, and their approach since coming in of the willingness to put in the work and learn and stay in their lane, but also taking care of their own house, right? Taking care of themselves. Uh, handling things the right way. That's the first step to leadership, handling your own business. And then you earn that leadership type role um, once you go out and show it. Uh, Mario Cristobal is very encouraged that they hit on a strong core of, you know, look, the, the signing class is 26 guys. I think it's fair to say half of those guys, he feels very, very encouraged about just based on first impressions. And then the other guys, you know, they got time to, to work their way into bigger roles as well. But, I mean, you know, you look at Francis Maui Noah and Samson Okunlola, I think Mario would tell you they have lived, they have validated their high school ranking. Reuben Bain, complete stud. Everyone in the program loves Reuben. Ray-Ray Joseph, you want to talk about a guy that's come in and worked like an alpha dog, just staying in his lane, working and it impacting everyone else in the program. So at my this off season they started this thing called a money ball challenge where they get some staffer so it has to be tallied by some um staffer uh how many balls on the jug machine are you catching and it's a weekly competition. So I don't know, Sunday to Saturday, etc. just for example, how many jugs machines Balls are you catching per week, and it has to be tallied by a, a, a staffer, you can't just be you as a player going out and making up numbers. So, uh, Ray Ray Joseph was smoking everyone, and according to camp Kitchens, uh, Ray Ray would easily do 2,000 balls a week. Um, Cam was like, I, I wanted to go give it a try one week. He said he didn't do it every week, but he went and gave it a try one week. And the most he could get up to was 1300 and that was enough for him. So, and then I asked Cam, like, what does it do to the, you know, the older guys when they see a young guy like this putting in that type of work? And Cam was like, I love it because it forces the older guys to then go do the same thing. So Ray Ray Joseph is kind of um, pushing things from the bottom. If that makes sense, you know, look, he's a talented player. He's, arguably one of the more talented wide receivers on the roster now, but I'm saying he's a freshman. He's got to work his way up. He's putting in the work to do that. And he's also impacting his teammates with the way they now have to work to match that level. So he's a guy that's made an impact that way. Mark Fletcher. uh, I think it's safe to say Mario Cristobal loves everything about that guy in terms of personality and just what he brings to the running back position uh, from a body type and athletic profile, Tommy Kinsler, Josh Horton, kind of line of scrimmage players that are probably a couple years out still, but they're very excited and encouraged by what they've shown. Damari Brown, Robert Stafford, similar things. Um, I think the main point is, look, the foundation is there. Year one recruiting class is a success now that they're able to assess it in-house. Um, but the bottom line now is delivering Enough results to stack a similar type of recruiting class uh, in 2024. And then you got to go do it again in 2025. You're not going to, one recruiting class is not going to turn you into a 10-win program. It has to be three to five recruiting classes. So year one, a success in that regard. But Mario Cristobal knows, look, I got to go win more, obviously, in 2023 so I can stack another talented recruiting class, whatever that means in the rankings. I think you still have to land inside the top 10. That's something Miami has not done in the 24 seven sports era back to back consecutive top 10 classes, uh, which goes back to the 2011 class. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a good foundation, good start again. I don't think you, I don't think it's going to translate into like more wins this year. I think you win in general with your older players, Um, but these guys are coming in, they have kind of a different alpha dog approach to things. Football matters to these guys in a big, big way. And I think it's definitely making a strong impression on everyone in the program.
0: I think just with, with, with all that feedback, you see the importance of, of recruiting and why this stuff matters so much, because you hear about Ray, Ray Joseph, who, you know, could have gone to Clemson, like, you know, was, on his way to go to Clemson and like Clemson would have just added another person with that worth with that type of ethic yep. and all that stuff. And then, you know, Miami needs to get Ray, Ray Joseph, and then they need to find another Ray, Ray Joseph. Who's going to push Ray, Ray Joseph. Who's going to work, you know, just like all that stuff. And then you, you just kind of have a room of guys who are just so internally driven that you know, you just have you, you. That's just how you build a program. And like you said, it doesn't take. It's not one recruiting class. It's not even two recruiting classes. It's three, four, five recruiting classes on top of one another of just dudes that love ball that are trying to win at a high level. And uh, I yeah. think they're on their way towards doing that. You know, I think that they've done a good job of you know bringing in talent. You know, whether it's for, from the portal, high school recruiting, well, whatever the case is. And again, I think this is why you know this year specifically. I mean, I, I just think it's so 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 important because I think if it goes well, I think you're setting. You know, you you kind of put your you kind of put Miami into almost like takeoff mode where it's just like yep. you're gonna be able to get. You, like you you are like if Miami has a really good season, you are now like it, you're like not that they're not already they're clearly winning some big time recruiting battles, but now you have a seat at the table with every major recruit in the country. Like whoever yep. you kind of want, you have you have the ability to go get. And on the flip side if you have another down season, you're not getting that benefit of the doubt that maybe, you know, that helped you kind of cross the finish line with Francis Maligo and Ruben Bain and Mark Fletcher and Samson Lola and Ray Ray Joseph and all those guys, you know, so I, I I think that this year is just so, so massive uh, when it comes to being able to continue to acquire guys of that talent level, of that mentality. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think it's huge that those guys are making such a great early impression and we've gotten a, gr- a ton of great you know, feedback on a lot of those guys that you that you just mentioned, David. I mean, the, the Joshua Hortons, the Tommy, yep. even like the Tommy Kinslers. I'm talking about guys that didn't headline the class. Those guys that are maybe like middle of the pack, even some of the, you know, on the bottom. like these guys are impressing. There's a bunch of dudes in, the, in this 2023 group and it's going to be a special class for sure. But now it's about getting the next one and the one after that.
1: Yep. And I think to circle back to, to improving the culture, to me, that's a twofold process. Number one, your head coach top down has to establish the culture, right? That goes without saying. But then I think, too, the secret sauce to having the culture where you want it is that player competition level. And to me, that starts with recruiting. Um, Players know when a guy is real, right? When a guy comes into the program, it's like, man, that's a guy. And that means that you can't be comfortable. Like if you're Brashard Smith, you can't be comfortable with Ray-Ray with Joseph doing what he's doing this summer, right? So you got to push yourself to go to that next level. And then if Brashard's doing that, then Xavier Restrepo can't be comfortable, et cetera, et cetera. And so like we talk about Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State recruiting. Um, and to me, that's kind of what it's all about. Like We talk about like those programs in particular play the numbers game of elite recruiting. Go count up how many top 100 recruits Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State are signing. Uh, you know They're going to hit on their fair share. But by and large, a, a lot of those guys are going to be misses. But guess what? It doesn't matter because they're stacking a huge amount of top 100 recruits in the next year's class, and then the next year's class. And the cream rises to the top. And so when you look at talent acquisition as kind of just a numbers game, like Mario Cristobal does, um, eventually, if you win enough to put yourself in position to land those type of talents, the culture is going to shift, the ceiling of your program is going to uh, expand because of the talent, competition, and culture being on point. So it all kind of does go hand in hand. It's like that chicken and the egg argument of like, okay, how do you recruit well if you don't win enough? But if you don't win enough, can you recruit well, et cetera, et cetera? So uh, we'll see what they can do this year. It was fun being up in Charlotte. And again, fall camp starts August 1st. So, right around the corner, um, Miami's media day is the day before, so July 31st. And, uh, we'll have plenty of good access there and insight as well from the whole team. So, appreciate everyone. Appreciate Mario for his time with the one on ones and all the other guys, too, that were there. They're all good, good guys and, uh, you know, easy to root for. So, um, Let's take a break, Gabby, and on the other side, we'll get into a big recruiting week slash weekend for Miami.
0: As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pick up this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. <laughs>
1: it's the quiet period, right? Like guys can go visit on campus, I believe starting today, right? If not, Starting Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday. So we're recording this Wednesday. Um, But really Miami's trying to get a lot of guys on campus Saturday for a cookout, correct? Um, And and it's a bunch of classes, a bunch of high level players from 24 class, 25 class, 26. But let's start with the 24s and let's talk about the key names to know. And let's start with five-star defensive tackle, Aiden Breland. And I know he's, he's the guy, of course, if you listen to this podcast, you know all about him, but uh, five-star defensive tackle at a matter day high school in Southern California. Um, been to Miami a couple times, I believe. Um, sounded like he was trying to go to Texas A&M and Miami this week. What is your sense on the latest with that situation? Is he really going to be able to make both, you think?
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I know there's a lot of details that are still being kind of ironed out here. Uh, You know, the plan is to get to Texas A&M. I believe it's Saturday um, for whatever it is that they got going on over in College Station. Uh, Miami is again in the cards there somewhere. Like the 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 goal is to get to Miami and uh, you know check out the Hurricanes. It it would be his fourth time on campus, uh, which is obviously you know a a good number, kind of where you want to be for a five-star defensive lineman, top target like that. Um, and I think what's interesting here is that the the dead like the quiet period runs until Monday, the 31st. So it's the last day of July. And so that kind of creates a window where, you know, you still have some flexibility of where you can make it happen. And I'm not saying it's going to be a Sunday, Monday visit, but you have until Monday to figure it out. So it's not like, you know, if he he doesn't, if he's not there on Saturday, then he's not coming. Like he could still come Sunday, potentially Monday, maybe he comes Friday, but I, I know that the details of exactly what it looks like with Miami are not like kind of hammered down. Um, I just know, like all I know right now is that a part of the plan is to get down to Miami, figure out a way to get down to Miami after Texas A&M. So uh, just a situation to kind of just kind of continue to feel out. Uh, I'm still working on gathering, um, you know, some more details there, but I think there's some people that are pretty optimistic that, uh, you know, this trip happens, that this thing gets done. And, you know, Aiden Breland does spend some time, Uh, or whatever that looks like around uh, the Hurricanes this week.
1: Another five-star defensive lineman to know, Camarian Franklin. He, of course, is from the state of Mississippi. He's visited, it feels like, about five times as well. His last trip was for Legends Camp. Did a quick workout that morning. Um, Is he going to visit anywhere else this week, as far as you know?
0: Yeah, he was supposed to be at Auburn uh, before he came to Miami. He's not going to Auburn anymore. Uh, I think that's pretty significant news, uh, especially for Miami, who's been ch- kind of chipping away there. I know Auburn has an in-season official visit set with Kamari and Franklin, but I think the fact that he's not going to be, you know, over there at all this weekend is, is a big deal. Again, he is coming down to, to, to South Florida. He'll be in on Friday afternoon, from what I understand. Like, that's when his flight kind of gets here. He'll be around for the cookout on Saturday um, I think this is like visit si- like, I think it's number six, maybe number five, okay. um, for Kamarian Franklin. Like he's been around Miami more than like some South Florida kids, uh, that Miami wants. So, um, you know, I think it's, I think Miami's done a really good job there. Uh, I think this is another opportunity to kind of continue to chip away on, you know, Auburn on Tennessee, Ole Miss, a couple of those schools that have kind of done a good job establishing themselves in this, uh, recruitment, but Miami very, very much in there. Uh, so you know, just gotta kind of you know continue to do your thing there. So this is a a big big visit.
1: And then top two four seven defensive back Xavier Mincy, kind of a Swiss Army defensive back, can play a lot of different areas wherever you, wherever the preference is of that coaching staff. Long, physical, thick defensive back. What's what's the latest there to know?
0: Yeah, I mean, just talking about Judas Richard, I mean, kind of kind of maybe think of Xavier Mincy, like you know, maybe that's mm-hmm. something that is like kind of like the plus with him like he could probably play multiple spots i mean people are recruiting him to play cornerback or safety or kind of like that star nickel role i think he can do all of those um so you know this is one of miami's top you know top targets in the secondary uh you know listed as a safety but again i think miami kind of views him more in like that star role uh so it doesn't necessarily conflict people ask me all the time oh so how does it conflict with zaquan patterson or whatever the case is, it doesn't, uh, you know, I think they were being recruited to play two different spots. Um, Xavier Mincy. Uh, I think this is a big one. You know, Florida's in there, Florida state's in there. He's mentioned uh, Texas a and I think he's, he's mentioned Tennessee. He's mentioned Alabama. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of people feel like Florida kind of has the, or are, are, are kind of in like, they have kind of like the inside track in this recruitment, but I know Miami has been chipping away and, you know, coming at, coming off of that final official visit, Weekend, I know that there was, you know, feel some feeling in Miami that, you know, they were very much in the game there. So I think getting him back here in July is a is, is a big one. So hopefully that one does go through, but I know he's expected in
1: top 247 wide receiver Luane McCoy. He's, of course, committed to Florida State local guy, Miami Central guy. Uh, it seems like Gabby a lot of after Jojo Trader jumped on board here fairly recently. He was the guy that the fan base kind of zeroed in on is like, all right, he's the guy we got to flip. And then uh, this wide receiver class is going to be looking nice. Do you feel like Miami has generated some more momentum there? And, And of course, I guess it would be a good sign if he did show up this weekend.
0: Yeah, I definitely think Miami has some juice there. I think UCF does too. I think those are two schools that he's really thinking hard about. Aside from Florida State, um kind of go back to when Lorraine mccoy committed right i i think we talked about here like you know he went up there he was kind of alone like his family wasn't with him he made that decision he came back and a lot of people around him were just kind of like hey what did you do you know and again i'm not saying that like maybe he doesn't stick with florida state whatever that's we can get into like the whole speculation of that i personally don't know if that's going to happen but regardless you know i I think i think it was kind of like you know, he got, just kind of reset his, like the way he was kind of approaching his process and especially the people around him wanted him to do uh, his due diligence. And I think Miami has since, you know, become a, a more real option for him. And then with the Ja'Cory Barney situation with him going to Nebraska, right. I think even for Miami, you know, with once that all happened, because I think if Miami took Ja'Cory Barney, I think LeWayne McCoy is kind of off the table. Um, right. But I think because, because that didn't go through LeWayne McCoy kind of re, like it kind of made more sense to kind of re-explore that whole situation. Um, And I think Miami's doing that now. You know, if he comes to to the barbecue, again, I expect him to be there. Uh, He is expected to come. He's told people he's coming. Um, I I could see Miami, you know, again, maybe punching the gas a little bit, uh, pressing for a flip. And I think if they did that, again, I think it would solidify their wide receiver class, still give them room uh, to go, again, try to win 2023, go try to get Jeremiah Smith. Obviously, that's a long shot, but – And then you have, uh, you know, Ryan Wingo is another top-ranked wide receiver that they're also chasing. I think it kind of allows you to just go all in on those guys, see what happens. If you get one, okay, that's awesome. That's a fantastic wide receiver class. If you get none, uh, you still have a trio of really talented pass catchers. So that would just be my personal approach. But, um, you know, we'll see how this kind of plays out. I'm kind of interested because, you know, again, feedback can be kind of mixed sometimes when you talk about LaWayne McCoy.
1: Attention business owners, I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices ASAP.
0: The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get
1: paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today, erclawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy.
0: If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or
1: text Star directly
0: at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250
1: to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience, and help our Canes. Call or tech star today at 561 573 4661. Then, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you have top 247 defensive back Jalen Hayward as a maybe. He, of course, is the Rockledge High School defensive back from Space Coast. Recently decommitted from Georgia, so he's officially back on the market. He visited Miami officially in late June. And quite frankly, you were, you were straight up with that recruitment. You, you were pretty clear after that visit, like, look, I don't know where this thing's going to be going. Miami has to make a decision on this guy, whether or not he's a personality fit, whether or not he's a culture fit. Um, and so I would assume, look, if he comes down, that'd be a step towards maybe figuring that out. What, what are your expectations here with, with Jalen Hayward and maybe him potentially making it down?
0: Yeah, I, I I think this has just become just a really weird, interesting situation. Um, I haven't been able to get much information just really on Jalen Hayward. I mean, it's just kind of, it seems like you really, I, I mean, after that official visit, to me, it was almost like a no way. Like, it, like nothing I heard led me to believe that Miami was going to go that route. Um, I still believe that there's going to be, there's plenty of, Hesitancy, like you know, people are there's just a lot of uncertainty about which way to kind of go there. Um, I would personally be surprised, uh, but I think ultimately he's a really talented defensive back. Miami kind of needs some help, especially at corner, which is where Miami's kind of recruiting him to play. Um, so I think it's kind of that balance of just like, do we want to kind of you know, we're talking about culture, you know, are are we gonna risk you know what we're trying to build in order to acquire maybe a higher level talent? Um, And, again, I I think that if he does show up in Coral Gables this weekend, I think that would, again, be an indication of which way this is kind of going. Um, If he doesn't come, you know, I think that that could equally be telling of which way that this thing's kind of trending. Um, I I would probably still lean no, just based on everything that I've heard to this point. But we'll see, man. I mean, this is recruiting. I mean, this stuff is right. this stuff gets crazy. And when it, it comes to a talented guy again, I mean he's like 10, 500. You need some
1: talented corners. I mean you need talented corners. Would, let yeah. me ask you this. Would you take him if you I were would. the head coach?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I would. To me, it doesn't like. I sound think I like, would
1: too. I think I you I, gotta you gotta trust your culture to some extent. Right. Like yeah, you maybe you maybe don't wanna bring in a ton of borderline guys. Mm-hmm. But if you take one guy a year that's you feel like, okay, I gotta keep maybe an extra set of eyes on this guy, I think that's fair to do. That's yeah. just me though.
0: Yeah, and I and I think with him it's not even like any like to me, it's nothing that's like I could see how it could be potentially deal breaking, but to me it's not like he's like a whore it's not it's like immaturity to me. It's, it, it seems like it's more immaturity. Exactly. It's more immaturity type of stuff to me. And I think that comes with kind of age, I think it comes with situations. Uh, you know, where you kind of align yourself, who you align yourself with. And I do think with time, as he matures, gets older, gets into a regimen like that, I think it's something that can be developed, you know, yeah. where, yeah, maybe you keep an extra set of eyes on him, but you also hope that, you know, he falls in line with your culture instead of him derailing it. So for especially me, especially now
1: with the portal, like, yeah, it's easier to, to say, hey, we're not the place for you. Good luck. Yeah, Exactly. If, if, if
0: in a year it doesn't work, like, you can also, you can always go that route. Yeah. You know, so to me, it's to me, I would definitely roll the dice. I would definitely go that route because to me, I think it's he, he's clearly a talented uh, defender, and I, I think mine could use someone of that caliber.
1: Khalil Cummings, a defensive back, three star guy at a Bradford High School in Stark, Florida. Not the biggest defensive back at like five ten, five eleven. but he's a two- way guy. caught twenty one passes and four touchdowns on offense last year totaled 71 tackles and 3 picks on defense. He's a guy that we've kind of mentioned at times yeah. uh throughout this cycle. Um but you know, as Miami has to keep working its way down the defensive backboard, he's kind of a new name to know, correct?
0: Yeah, kind of. I would say he's definitely sort of a a new like an old name that's maybe resurfacing. Right. Uh but yeah, I again, I think it's just kind of going through the defensive backboard and look I think earlier in the process, January, February, like Khalil Cummings was one he of the top him. names on the board. Yeah. yeah, like he was like you know just kind of looking through safeties against maybe like that nickel spot. Khalil Cummings right. was like at the very, very top of that. Um, so you know, I I think he's a talented. I think he's. A, I mean, he's a talented kid. Where does Miami like him exactly? Um, I'm not sure. Can he play maybe like outside corner or something like that? Um, I I, I they obviously have their nickels kind of figured out. Uh so I'm not exactly sure what the vision is for him, but I do think that that is like an interesting name that kind of came my way. Uh, you know, yeah. just this weekend. Um so yeah, I'm curious to see which which way that's that one sort of goes.
1: Offensive lineman Eddie Pierre Louis, four star composite player out of Tampa Catholic, six three thirty six three, three thirty-five, strong guy, thick guy. Um he has a UCF crystal ball. I know in in previous podcasts, Gabby you've mentioned him as as a guy that they might kind of explore at the center position because they do feel like they need to land a center in this 2024 class. Um what's what's kind of the latest on this one?
0: Yeah, I mean Miami's been I think Miami's really they have been working on Eddie Pierre Louis for a while. Uh you know, he's someone that's been around the school plenty over the past couple years. Uh, you know, just re- even like this time last year, I, I believe he was around, um, I think in January he was around. He came in the spring alongside David Stone, Joseph Ayanada, a bunch of those dudes. Um, so Miami's been recruiting him for for some time. But yeah, you know, I think as you kind of look at what the center board is right now, I think Eddie Pierre-Louis is is definitely a name at the top of it um, or near the top of it. Uh, I-, I feel like they, they're, I feel like Miami maybe lost some momentum there, uh, but I've kind of picked it up here recently. You mentioned UCF. Uh, Oregon is a school that I think he was kind of thinking about visiting this and Maybe he still does. I know Steve Wilfong re- reported he was going to be at Oregon uh, Miami still expecting him. So uh, to this point, I, I would assume he's going to be down in Miami uh, which would be big just for Miami to kind of reignite uh, some of yeah. that, you know, stuff. Um, so I-, I think it's a big visit, man. And uh, you know, I, again, I think as a center, he's someone that's played some defensive line, David. I know at one point, uh, you know, you thought that he would be he could be someone that could play on the defensive line, uh, you know, just kind of watching the tape and all that stuff. Uh so I I I'm I'm intrigued. Uh, you know, I, I want to see where this visit goes. Uh I, I want to I'm kind of curious to hear where he's at in his process because, you know, again, you mentioned the UCF crystal ball, but you got again Oregon, you got Oklahoma in there, uh Miami in there too. So I want to see um, you know, really where he's at. He's definitely a tough one to kind of get a hold of, uh, yeah. you know, otherwise. So uh, you know, I, I, I do, I know my, that he's someone Miami definitely likes.
1: I'm intrigued by him as a center, no doubt. I, I think that would make sense if he's um, here for it. Offensive lineman, Ellis McAdoo. He is a three-star guy at a St. Thomas Moore high school in Oakdale, Connecticut, Six five three ten. Uh, projects, I guess, as an interior offensive lineman has offers from Florida, Louisville, West Virginia, kind of a totally new name. On the board here, Gabby, what, what do we need to know about this young man?
0: Yeah, definitely a, a new name that Miami's exploring. He's a, he, he's a big body. You know, they haven't seen him in person yet. Uh, I think they've gotten good feedback on him. They watch the tape. They kind of like what they saw. They want to they get eyes on him. Um, you know, just kind of see what he kind of looks like in person. He worked out for Purdue in the summer and earned an offer from that Boilermaker staff. Uh, so, you know, again, I, I think they feel like, you know, he's obviously large, you know, you mentioned those six foot five, 310 pounds. I don't think that they believe he's like sloppy, like, you know, that he's just like got this, like all this bad weight on him. I feel like he's kind of like, if you kind of look at some of the takes that they've kind of taken, especially on the interior offensive line, I feel like he kind of fits the mold of what they're kind of looking for. Just big bodies that are kind of a little bit, maybe underdeveloped that they can kind of get and kind of build up. So in, you know, two, three years, you know, they have a, a beefy, you know, a couple of beefy guys on the inside. So, I mean, it, it makes sense to me why they're kind of going this way, it just kind of again just based on the profile. Um, so yeah, I, I, my, he doesn't have a Miami offer yet. Uh, I think this weekend, if, you know, he, he could potentially get a Miami offer, I think that's probably why they're setting this all up, you know, kind of confirm some things and then maybe, you know, pull the trigger and, and extend that offer. Uh, so Ellis McAdoo is definitely a, you know, rising senior name that is, is on my radar, uh, you know, this coming weekend, maybe not the biggest name or anything like that. And obviously a new name, an unfamiliar name, but uh, you know, I, I know Miami's still trying to add to this offensive line class. And I think Ellis McAdoo is, is, is one that's potentially emerging as a, as an option for these guys.
1: Is there anyone else you're kind of keeping an eye on, maybe someone you haven't confirmed or, or. You know, maybe a local guy, no, like going into legends camp, right? You were basically like, I am curious if Jojo Trader is just going to pop in. Yeah. And he ended up popping in. Like for me, like, I don't, I honestly, I haven't looked into it. So I, he could be going somewhere and I just don't know, but Zaquan Patterson would kind of yeah. fit that, uh, the safety at a Chaminade to me, unless again, he's going somewhere else already. Is there anyone locally or just in general that you're, you're like, okay, I'm getting some heat on this guy, but I haven't been able to confirm it.
0: Yeah, no, nothing yet. I, pr- I feel like the name maybe I had the most heat on that I thought was probably going to come. Well, that I think was had intentions of coming, but I just don't think the team schedule allowed them was Jordan Seaton, uh, the offensive okay. lineman at IMG Academy. He was originally set to come, uh, but it seems like IMG Academy has a mandatory Saturday practice uh, so, or maybe just a mandatory practices this week. And, you know, he obviously can't miss that. So Jordan Seaton was one name, especially, you know, especially on the offensive line that I think Miami fans just kind of need to continue to kind of keep in the back of their minds when we're looking at this, you know, big picture board. Um, because I, I do think Miami nearly got their fin- finally got their opportunity to get him on campus, but kind of got derailed by, you know, those obligations at IMG. So um, you know, he was definitely one. Zaquan Patterson's a good one. Um, you know, I think he's he's definitely uh I think he's definitely a, a, a good candidate for that. I would say, I don't know what Jeremiah Smith's doing this weekend, but he's always one if he kind of just pops in. Um, yeah. I mean, no one else really um, comes to mind. Uh, that's oh, yeah. just because everything, everyone else would be like national, um, but I'm sure we're going to, I'm sure we're going to be in for a few surprises uh, this weekend as we typically are. I feel like that's just kind of how these things go. And, you know, they definitely do their best to keep some of those, big deal or, you know, top prospect things, uh, you know, close to the vest as, as they approach some of these days. So hopefully as we get closer, you know, it's still Thursday. I know they don't want some, I, I know their kind of thing is that like, they don't want someone to find out the kids coming and then try to again, try to get them to go to their school instead. So I feel like if we learn anything, it'll probably be sometime, maybe Friday afternoon, Saturday uh, morning around that time and i again I, I i wouldn't be surprised if we get a couple surprises who pull up
1: 12 commits planning to be there last i checked uh anybody stand out in that regard obviously i think just because of the backyard his backyard nature big that kevin riley's planning to be there yep. right
0: yeah huge that kevin riley's coming back uh you know i think even marquise lightfoot coming back you know yeah i think that's a i think that's a big deal uh i'm sure there's no shortage of schools that are uh, still working on him. I'm sure Ohio State would have loved to get him back on campus this week, uh, to try to you know bright whatever kind of they felt like went wrong that they were kind of blindsided by. Um, I think Cameron Pruitt's a big one. You know, apparently he camped at Bama this week and potentially got like the green light or quote unquote green light. Uh, you know, if he wanted to kind of be a part of Alabama's class. Uh, obviously, Alabama missed on Demarcus Reddick or Eridick who flipped from Georgia to Auburn. So, you know, I think Cameron Pruitt could potentially be an in-state name for the Crimson Tides to pivot too. So I think it's good that Miami's getting him back. I mean, somebody's out of state guys, even like an Elijah Lofton. Like I think it's great that he's coming back. He's come back and just and Jojo Trader, of course. Um, I think when the especially that local group, the Jos- the Jojo Trader, the Chance Robinson, Ryan Mack, uh, whenever that group's coming, you know, there's always a chance that others are coming with them, like a Zaquan Patterson type. So again, not saying he's coming, but you know, I think right. those guys are so well connected that every like, you know, there's there's more possibilities, um, with that group. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great that a bunch of the commits are coming through. Uh, I think it's 12. So I think I wrote down 12. I know Abram Murray's coming down too. So that's 13, um, potentially more, you know, maybe some more of these guys get down, but yeah, it's definitely a good group.
1: Any other names to highlight from like the 25 or 26 cycles, or, or I guess just guys that you feel like Miami's really already over the moon, excited about to recruit in those future cycles.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a couple visits really just today, like on Thursday, as we're recording this podcast. Uh, Owen Striebig, uh, he's a big, you know, six foot eight, 95 pound offensive lineman from Wisconsin. Uh, he's visiting today. Miami recently offered. He's a top 247 guy. So, kind of a mountain of a man from, um, from Wisconsin. That's always a big one. Uh, Ryan G is a top tight end target in 2025. Solomon Thomas, David, we watched him in Orlando at yeah. that Under Armour camp, and we watched him at Future 50. Um, I think he's a really big deal. Uh, ben yeah. Hanks Jr. at Booker T. Washington to top rank 2025, a top 60 player in that class. He's coming through. Uh, yep. recent, newly minted top 247 safety Bryce Fitzgerald over at Miami Belen Jesuit. Uh, he's another one who's expected in two. So um, I even think like – I think someone that has like a potential like Joseph Ayanata uh trends is a max buchanan who's an interior offensive lineman at uh, sanford seminole which is a school that produces a ton of talent there, not far from ucf's campus uh he has an like early clemson offer uh, i think he has center potential uh so he's i think he's a big 2025 name that i think is going to end up being touted by um you know a bunch of a bunch of big a, bi- a bunch of big time programs so um those are a few guys i'm excited about also getting a quarterback and luke nickel uh out of milton georgia he's ryan g's quarterback Uh, So I think it's a, you know, he's a guy that has a Miami offer and uh, is going to be down. So I think that's always interesting to see which quarterbacks are going to be around the program.
1: Good stuff, Gabby. We'll get out of there. Get out of here on that. Uh, Appreciate everyone for listening. Again, football is right around the corner. Check out the website inside the U.com between fall camp, between this weekend's recruiting efforts. We're going to have a lot of VIP content. Uh, So now's the time to subscribe. We definitely try and make it worth your while. Appreciate everyone for listening. Appreciate our sponsors. Again, uh, big things ahead here soon, coming in the next week. And until next time, take care.